Jesse, aka the Bizzle. The Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. What up, Bizzlecasters? This is the Bizzle. I'm bringing you uh, my interview with uh, Simi Klima, who has been on the Bizzlecast before, talking Star Wars. Uh, this is his very interesting perspective and review discussion of the Last Jedi after the uh, first time that he saw this. I actually recorded this a week or two ago, but I've had so many podcasts and so many Last Jedi podcasts. And I wasn't sure where to slot this in, but it's such an interesting perspective from him because he definitely did not hate it, but he also didn't love it. He's sort of in the middle, and we have a really interesting discussion about it. And I uh, contacted him the other day to tell him, you know, I was going to be releasing it soon, and sorry it took so long. He said, no worries. He said he still hasn't seen it a second time yet. So we still are hoping to get him back in the next couple weeks if he gets a chance to see it again. I will also be saying that this will definitively be the last full-on Last Jedi podcast. I do want to announce, however, that I will be launching, I don't know when, probably in a couple weeks, a monthly uh, Star Wars podcast with Jedi Geek Girl, who I've already had on twice to talk Star Wars, and I've been on her Star Wars Destiny gaming podcast as well, and we just have a great report, and we love talking canon and everything going on, and with the Han Solo movie coming up, but there's also the end of Star Wars Rebels, and then we have a big break, as far as we know, until the end of 2019 for episode 9 of the new trilogy, um, but there's so much so much going on in books and comic books, and we're expecting more stuff on television and other media as well. So we're hoping to do a uh, sort of a monthly new canon podcast with Jedi Geek Girl. I also want to announce that I will be recording later this week the first of two Star Trek Discovery podcasts with Maddie G, Matt Goisman. He, I guess, convinced himself to see Discovery, which neither of us were planning on watching initially. He really, really liked it. It was recommended strongly that I watch it. I binged it in like a week. The current like 12 or so episodes that are out, there's three more coming up. And then the season splits very nicely sort of in two, two different parts. Um, and it, it's actually really good. We'll have to see how the full 15 or 16 episodes go. But we're both really enjoying Star Trek Discovery uh, so far. And it's bringing a lot new to the uh, science fiction and television universe, not just Star Trek. And so be on the lookout for that next week. But in the meantime, I give you my boy and one of my favorite people to talk to, my old buddy and uh, now new buddy again, Simi Klimo. Here he is, people. Enjoy the podcast. All right, Bizzlecasters, here we are with more Last Jedi content. I'm keeping it coming. I'm getting all the Bizzlecast All-Stars back on. And while my guest tonight has been on once, uh, it was one of my favorite podcasts in recent memories. I am thrilled to have my old buddy, Simi Klimo from the Camp Days, back here on the Bizzlecast. Simi, I know you've only seen Last Jedi once, um, but I just want to welcome you back and just to jump right in what was your initial impressions of the last jedi movie thanks for having me jesse uh real excited to be here again yeah my initial uh my initial impression is i like it uh i liked a lot of it uh there were there were a few things that threw me through a couple loops that i felt took me out of the experience a little bit but as a whole i thought it was uh you know, pretty incredible. I thought some of the scenes were pretty incredible with the fight scenes. I thought the whole good and evil and that somewhere in between was, you know, really on stage at many levels. Um, and, you know, I liked the, the, some of the new characters. I liked, uh, the new soldiers. I liked, uh, I liked a lot of the scenery. I liked everything that they were doing for the most part. Um, but, uh, you know, we can we can get into what I didn't like as well. Uh, yeah. So you know, I, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I just 
I just felt watching the 3D, you know, IMAX experience. Oh, yeah, I don't, see, I don't, do, seeing, I don't do that stuff. I don't do the 3D I don't IMAX. normally do it. It just had to do with more so um, you can reserve your seats if you get those tickets versus the other one is just opened up. So, And I yeah. thought for this movie, you know, why not try it this way and then go, go back to the regular for the next time around, which is what I plan to do. Um, but I really, you know, watching Leia floating in the air, I just thought that whatever happened at that meeting to decide that's how she's going to really get into the forest. Like right before she dies, she's going to do this like mind float back onto the ship. Um, that, that and the whole thing where Luke throws the the lightsaber and it like changes this like scene of, of like triumph. And we found Luke and that whole last movie was spent trying to find Luke. And then he's like, it's like this whole comic bit about how he just like takes the lightsaber and throws it, you know, like I just thought both of those scenes, they could have done something different to achieve the same thing. And minus those for the most part, you know, like I liked the rest of the comedy. I liked the Porgs. I liked what they were doing with Chewie. I liked their whole relationship that was going on the whole time. Um, and I, I loved, I loved all the different battles. I loved, uh, watching uh ray and ren team up and uh you know kind of destroy things and then i loved watching them fight again you know it's a, it's uh i think it's going to create another it's already creating another terrific saga of uh you know relationships and i haven't read all the ins and outs but i don't know if i buy that her parents were just junkers and uh, blah 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 oh you're oh my god Simi, you're throwing so much you're making my job as a podcaster hard here buddy i know because you sorry. just dropped like four really big important topics uh and observations I know. and we can go into all of them and we can talk about all of them or we could not but uh okay well look those are let my me, overall bird's eye view in a nutshell of like two or three minutes of what i thought about the movie all right dude well look I've been doing a lot of these Last Jedi podcasts, and they've all been super fun, and so I've been trying to make each one different, and so I've been trying to empower my guests, and so I'm going to do sort of a choose-your-own-adventure, and we talked a little bit about this in the pregame, but you never know until you jump in, and so you've got lots of feelings about The Last Jedi, and so I was going to push it back, but now I'm starting to feel like maybe we should do some Last Jedi talk, and then let me just set it up for the listeners if you guys did not hear our previous podcast a couple months ago, which I entitled How Ahsoka and the Clone Wars Saved Star Wars, which I don't think is an exaggeration, by the way. I stand by that assertion. Um, and, but, and Star Wars, by the way, has been posting tons of Ahsoka stuff in the last couple weeks. And Ashley Eckstein is still killing it. Um, and, you know, it's still a major part. And, I, dude, that is our, my most listened to podcast by like a non, um, how do I put this? Of all my podcasts that I've done in recent months that hasn't been like another podcaster or people with an audience, that's been most my most listened to podcast and has even gotten me interviews uh, with other podcasters based on that podcast um, because awesome. we went into the lore in a way that I don't normally get a chance to do. And I know for a fact that two things that you and I want to talk about in this podcast are the books that we've read, especially the prequel to the new movies about Leia called Bloodline, which is amazing. Um, and uh, as well as not just the Ahsoka book, but a 
again, the Ahsoka character and the legacy that Ahsoka Clone Wars and Rebels, I think, continue to have on the movies unashamedly, and they and they should have, right? Those are two topics that we want to talk about. So my question Absolutely. is... Do you want to talk? I think we should talk Last Jedi for a few minutes now because you, you brought up great points and your criticisms and your compliments were ones that I've heard a lot. Um, but I want to get into more detail about them, especially because your overall response, however, is somewhat different in that the Star Wars nerds that I know, either personally or through podcasts, either loved it the first time they saw it or really didn't like it and then had to see it two or three times and now, for the most part, really like it. Like, I'm having on a... uh, one of uh, the host co-host of one of the bigger Star Wars podcasts called The Saga Continues, Tim Gracchi, is coming on my podcast next week. And he is a hardcore old school Star Wars fan and really, really did not like Last Jedi when he first saw it. Huh. And did a great series of Twitter feeds where he never used the word hate or anything like that. He just said he was uncomfortable and he didn't understand it and, and the Luke portrayal he was having trouble with. And he went into his second viewing with a totally open mind and they did i'm not making this up a six hour and 20 minute last jedi recap podcast after him and his in two sessions like two three hour sessions and i listened to the whole thing over the course of a week and it was great after him and his buddy kyle that's my favorite star wars podcast kyle liked it immediately tim needed three viewings and really came around to it um, and you know, he, there were still things he didn't love about the movie, like the Leia thing. Uh, he really didn't like, um, the Luke lightsaber thing. And he definitely didn't like the, the Poe, uh, being a smart ass at the beginning bit. But for the most part, he, and, and he's someone who, again, very objective and in touch with his, his feelings about these things truly has come around to, if not love, then like this movie very much. What I'm getting to is you have a very measured view where you're clear above average about the movie but after one viewing i'm impressed with how much detail you took away from it because when i first saw it i felt like i was getting beaten over the head with a lightsaber and so i needed a second viewing to even know what the hell was going on i could just i just separated certain things and like i said i thought there were a few things that just took away from the experience by the way really quickly really quickly sure the leia thing in 2d looks way better than i think it looks in 3d in 2d it looks like a moving comic book picture but i could totally see like a harry potter style in 3d why that would look ridiculous and then also like it's funny we talked about justice league and i I said i thought the new justice league is better than any superman ever made and i think a lot of that was because it's always superman versus the bad guys and i'll loop this back and he's like flying and can do everything right so the flying just makes things awkward even with the new wonder woman movies like she's not straight up flying yet like she's leaping far and well spoiler alert uh she does fly at the end of wonder woman but that's okay right but it's brief it's not like she's flying to every battle you know what i mean and then if if when it does that there's something about flying and that's why with the leia thing i guess i it was like this big you know her her own awakening at some level okay she's actually acting here's the perfect place to start because we want to talk about bloodline which in my opinion is the best new canon book by far that's been written because it's the perfect combination of giving us new canon information as well as a character study of the character that I still consider to be the most 
interesting overall Star Wars character, which is Leia. Um, we Princess get, Leia Organa. Yeah, or, or General, or whatever <laughs> you want to call her. Um, but The first time meeting her, you would address her as Princess or Your Highness. <laughs> Thereafter, Senator would be appropriate. <laughs> and the audible books, not only the books, just the, the, what they're doing in Audible is 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 incredible like it's performance art we're gonna get to that though let's 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 table that for just a couple minutes sure so can we let's do a little force talk let's unpack this leia thing because i know uh, people who love leia who hated that bit i know people who love leia well let's be honest everyone loves leia that loves star wars i know people who love leia who may have made a slightly different choice um, but was cool with it because we just wanted to see a major display of power of Leia before we never see her again. I sort of put myself in that category. Um, I actually think that is a case of, and I know you've listened to a ton of my podcasts, but I have a few tropes that I use, um, bizzle, bizzle tropes, uh, and one of them is the shortest, point, uh, the shortest path between two points. And sometimes the most obvious and easiest answer to things isn't the most exciting or creative, but is actually, you know, like if you just think logistically what she should do in that situation, that's exactly what she should do. Now, maybe you would repackage it and make it look different, um, but think about it this way, man, and we'll get a little force talk going. What happens when so it, this, is a, this is an open-ended question to you, Okay. When, mm-hmm. Whether it's Luke or Ray or Kylo, when they're using the force powers to do a lightsaber pull, as they call it, what mm-hmm. is happening in your interpretation? I feel, I feel that they're getting in touch and using, it, using the force as a, uh, a crutch or like a, a bend of ability uh, with their senses to take advantage of the power that is out there. So the different things that they do and the different feats are based on how in touch they can become, you know, with the force and the deeper they can become in touch with the force, the more elaborate those feats can become. So, you know, in the original matrix movie, when Morpheus is first instructing Neo and saying it's, you know, it's not about bending the world around you. It's about bending your mind, right? Or with the kid with, with the, the kid fork. with the spoon, right? It's not spoon, it's not right. the, it's not the spoon. It's it's your mind that bends, right? I think when they're pulling, whether they realize it or not, whether they're lifting rocks, which was great, or pulling a lightsaber, is they're bending the force around them that results in that action. They're not causing it to fly to them in sort of the traditional magical source, right? And I've talked, and there's been some great articles about quantum physics and gravity and ways that you can explain the force in that time and space around large bodies or powerful bodies actually bend space and time. And so my interpretation was Leia was at bending space, but because of how they filmed it, it looked like she was just flying towards the ship. And I'm not excusing that. I would have made it a little bit more Neo in the Matrix in that I've made this uh, comment on other Last Jedi podcasts where I felt like that was a Neo moment in the Matrix where he comes back to life and he bends the Matrix to his will. And that's how I saw right. that scene. And so it wasn't until later where people were like, oh, it looks like Ghost Leia from Guardians of the Galaxy flying, like Harry Potter, all these things, blah, blah, blah. I didn't even really notice that 
at the time because in my brain I'm going, oh, she's just bending space and time. Because by the way, we've seen a lot of movement in space with a force, but we've even seen a lot of like bending of space and time until this movie. Right. Right. I mean, even just, you know, reaching hyperspace, you know, like that whole concept of like being in hyperspace, you know, like, you know, bending how fast you're going in the Millennium Falcon. And and, and that's a lot of what they're talking about, too. Speed, time, getting places, all those things. Um, But I think I think what what bothered me more about it, about that scene was also that she created this feat and it was the first one of that magnitude in bloodlines. They refer to her, uh, her ingenuity or her gut feelings as her in touch with being the force. She refers to it that she says, Luke, uh, Luke tells me that when I have those feelings and when I have that intuition, uh, you know, that's me being in touch with the force. So for her to have this physical display you know, of such drama, like a such dramatic nature, like that happened. So, I mean, that'd be hard for any Jedi to do, let alone, you know, one that has zero training, basically, maybe a little from Luke and the sides, like talking about the philosophy around it. She is Luke's literal twin. And we see what Luke's capable of. But he wasn't, you know, I mean, I guess he was like doing flips with Yoda and stuff. But I mean, he was when he he was like he even refers to himself as like a fair flyer and hope, you know, like he doesn't talk about how like I'm a badass fly. Like he 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 isn't even isn't even really presented to us as this phenomenal kid until like you see his bravery and you see the things he's doing. He's not like his dad, like when, until when the end of Last Anakin, Jedi. Dude, right. he pro- right. I'm sorry to jump right till the end here, but I have to right. say this. He projects, it's not a hologram. He projects himself to another part of the galaxy. Right. So totally, convincingly totally. that his own sister and Kylo Ren aren't sure that it's a fake Luke Skywalker. That's how convincing it is. Right. So no, if he can do that with a lot of training. He has the how power to do all those things. But even even in, in New Hope, it's not like... He, like he's yelling at Han, and he's like, "I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty fair flyer. I'll, I'll, we'll buy our own ship, you know." And it's like, he's not like, "I'm a, I'm the best flyer in this, this side of whatever." And like, you know what I mean? Like he's a farmer, and like, he's not even that great at that. Like, it, he just doesn't seem like he's this exceptional prodigy that like Anakin seemed to be when, when, uh, when Obi Wan and, and Qui Gon like meet him for the first time. He's like doing all these crazy feats, and he's obviously a phenom. And like, okay, Luke is Luke's a teenager, and he's like, okay. he's like, you know, kind of a baby. He's kind of whining. He's not that mature. Even Anakin was like macking on on Padme, you know, as like an eight year old or ten year old. He's like, hey, you know, I think you're an angel. You know, like like he he's got game. It's a great Luke line, by just, the way, for you men out there. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. And like that whole relationship, (laughs) he's like, he's setting up the long game, but I mean, wow. Okay. So let's hold on. Let's back, let's back, let's back this Mack truck up. uh, Sure. If you will. Am I reading between the lines a little bit that you thought based on the Leia comments and what you're implying about Luke, that Luke was a little OP in this movie? I don't mind. I don't mind what Luke did. I don't mind. I'm not saying what you minded. I'm just, Uh, I'm saying what you bought. No, I like I liked all that. I wasn't. An, I'm not an anti-Luke in this, other than that first scene that I was telling you about. No, like, I just mean like, like they, do you believe, given what the limited force powers we saw in the original trilogy, and given that, as Ray said, he had cut himself off from the force, at least on the surface, do you believe that he could pull off 
at the end of The Last Jedi, spoiler alert again, people, what is arguably the most difficult feat that any Jedi has ever pulled off. Oh, I think Luke's the chosen one. He's meant to bring balance to the Force. They, the, the, the prophecy wasn't wrong. They were just off a generation. Luke, I think Luke is the greatest Jedi. Luke will become the greatest, or if he's not already, in his transformation. And also, there's only a few Jedis that were able to do the transformation that he does at the end. Yep. You know, uh, Qui-Gon does it, Yoda does it, Obi-Wan does it. But there's not like, and, and Vader, well, Vader doesn't exactly do it, but he's kind of around in that in, at the end in Jedi. But, you know, to get to that stage, there's only a few Jedi that can be that, uh, you know, in the in-between, if you will. So let's put aside the actual uh, visual optics of the flying of Princess Leia. Um, I will say the following. The amount of time between her getting shot out shockingly from the bridge to her coming back to life to her getting to the ship, when you rewatch the movie, is like 90 seconds. They actually don't linger on it that long. It feels super dramatic the first time you see it, but Ryan no, Johnson does not. a good job of not lingering on it too long. You see her in space. She starts coming back to life immediately. And actually, they spend half the time on Poe and Finn's face, you know, screaming silently for people to open the door. That's what sells it to me more than her flying is their desperation banging on the windows and bringing her in. And my theory, man, is there's two things that bring Leia back to the ship and she's not even thinking about it. One is fight or flight. Right. If you have the blood of the mighty, that's interesting. What does Luke say? The mighty Skywalker blood that he thought he could channel with Kylo. She has the mighty Skywalker blood and maybe this wasn't the best choice, but I really wanted to see Leia display the mighty Skywalker blood before the end. And I'm glad that they did it. Even if it's not exactly how I would do it. The other is she knows they need her. They need her. They literally would have, they almost lost in this movie and they would have lost without Leia, even though she was unconscious in the middle of it. And I think Leia has spent her entire life selflessly, as you know, in both the movies and the books and the cartoons, selflessly devoting herself to helping good people. And I think she would have been okay dying. She, the character of Leia, would have been okay dying there, but it wasn't her time, if that makes sense. You know how Gandalf comes back to life in Lord of the Rings? And, yeah. you know, I think the the transformation of Gandalf, the great of Gandalf the White, is very pertinent here, especially because we know that Dave Filoni, who did Clone Wars and Rebels, is a massive Lord of the Rings fan, has talked about Ahsoka as a Gandalf-esque character. I think we see some of that in Leia. Do you see where I'm getting at, though? That, like, I can see where the decision came from, even though visually I might have displayed it somewhere uh, differently. But let's move this into right. more progressive That's territory yeah. in terms of the film, which was... This movie was vacillated wildly in terms of people who we thought were strong with the force displaying no force powers to going to like extreme force powers we had never seen before. And I think the contrast between Luke being like a deranged old man who had wanted nothing to do with lightsabers or Jedi to being, you know, the fucking like, uh, you know, samurai to end all samurais at the end of the movie through a lot of hardcore star Wars fans for a loop. Yeah. And and I think honestly, I think, you know, we we were all getting chills from those trailers, and at the end of uh, at the end of seven, at the end of Force Awakens, like when when she's handing him the the saber, and, and, and like considering what she went through, 
with that with his lightsaber you know like how it brought up these horrible feelings and emotions uh from her childhood and was able to see her childhood when she grabbed it to all the pain and suffering that that luke went through all in that and then using it in in battle and then handing it to him and like i think you know having that scene so early in the movie um may have contributed to people not liking it at first because you know that comboed with the fly scene is like those are my two least favorite things and i think they they happen early in the movie and i think uh everybody has these preconceived notions of like you know what they're going to expect and i know like they kept saying you know this isn't what you're going to expect um yeah. But I didn't expect you to kind of mock our, you know, our I don't think it was hope. mocking. But look, look, let me say this to me. If you don't yeah. like Luke throwing the thing over the shoulder, you're never going to like that. I do think the Leia flying yeah. will get easier on you on future watchings because just the gloriousness of Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia will overwhelm that particular choice and just the dramatic moment of how much Poe loves Leia. Um, and by the way, my prediction is that the next movie is going to be about a five-year time jump and is going to start with Poe giving a very tear-filled funeral speech for Leia would be my guess about how they resolve that particular situation. And I, I will say... Um, because I do want to talk about this plot line. The plot line, I know everyone was excited about Ray, Kylo, Luke, and it did not disappoint, but I was very excited about Poe Leia, and I thought they nailed it in this movie. You know, Poe Dameron was supposed to be killed off early on in The Force Awakens, but he's such a force of nature. J.J. Abrams was like, there's no way I can kill this guy off, and I'm going to make him into one of the main characters. Even though he didn't have that much to do in the first movie, you knew he was dimensional because of freaking Oscar Isaac. So do you mind talking about this plot line with me while we're talking about Leia before we get to Luke and the other heavy stuff? Yeah, yeah. No, let's dive in. Um. I th- I did not have problems the way people did about the spaceship chase. Um, part of that is because one of my favorite shows of all time is the new Battlestar Galactica. And basically the entire series of Battlestar Galactica was the Galactica and a civilian fleet just barely outrunning the Cylon fleet who kept finding new ways to fuck with them and have terrorist cells and track them down and stuff like that. This was very Battlestar reminiscent. Um, that might be my cat meowing. Um, uh, it was very Battlestar reminiscent, and I don't care about fuel reserves and stuff like that. I thought the tension was 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 fine, and I thought that if Poe is going to be the leader of the rebellion going forward, which they were strongly teasing ahead of time, I thought they accomplished that, and I thought Leia's tutelage of letting him fuck up. I mean, in order for Poe, let me just le- let me let me lead you with this, and you can give me your opinion about whether you bought it or not. In order for Poe to truly mature, he had to fuck up so badly that he almost destroyed their entire plan. Like, the Finn Rose thing not only failed, but almost resulted in all of them dying. And the fact, I know that's a movie trope, but it did work in the end. I mean, Leia got what she wanted in the end in Poe being being a true leader. What was your thought of that extended... Uh, storyline we can include uh finn and rose for now but i mostly want to talk about what was going on on the ship with poe um and uh admiral holdo uh who's a childhood buddy of leia's from the books and of course leia go ahead yeah i really i I really actually liked it and i I bought it i did think i felt from 
Poe's character in Force Awakens that he was a little bit more calculating and a little less uh, a little less gung ho than he appeared in in this one. Um, he you know he was so eager kind of to be a rebel um, that like his there was like zero diplomacy and diplomacy I look at as intelligence and I felt like they kind of dumbed him well, down a to little be bit. Fair. Let's jump back to the first scene of The Force Awakens. He smartly sends BB-8 off on the uh, on his own. But what does he do? He immediately goes after Kylo Ren with a, with a blast. You're right. Like, what does he think he was going to accomplish there? And he gives up the location psychically. Well, he's not a Jedi, and he's, he can't. He, he, was, he, he lasted hours, though, they said in that. So Yeah, but he could have run away with BB-8 is the point. Right. He wanted he wanted more. He wanted more glory. He wanted to be an assassin. I don't think right. it's about the glory. And I don't think, again, I, it, you know, I, I don't want to push too hard on these issues because I want you to experience your second watching fairly mm-hmm. fresh. But it's more, mm-hmm. I felt it was more subtle on repeat watchings of Poe. Um, Leia chides him about being the hero, but if you look at the way Carrie Fisher acts and delivers those lines, she's mostly doing it to get a reaction out of him, not to really accuse him of that being his main motive. She knows his main motive is to do the right thing and save the rebellion, which is why they have that great scene when she knocks him out and her and Holdo are looking at him unconscious and they're both like, I really like him. And they're like, yeah, I like him too. You know, like they do like hit the Han Solo nature to him. She's, I, I think Leia's having to overcompensate because she sees Han's positive and negatives in Poe. And she's maybe overcompensating a little bit because of that was my interpretation. Uh, in fact, the criticism that, that you make, which is very valid, I think uh, a lot of people made about Finn, which was that Finn seemed to take even more of a step back than Poe in this film uh, from, from that standpoint point well he finn always kind of has his own agenda and he had it in the first one in not the first one he had him in his in his opening movie force awakens and he had it now like he always has this other plan about how like i'm getting out of here you know and then he kind of was like sure about what he was doing to 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 get on that ship and and go off on his own instead of maybe kind of thinking it out and i liked i liked that that subplot as well i also uh to cross over to bloodlines a little bit I also found like some Poe and some Sea Striker parallels in the relationship with Leia. Okay, wait, really quick. Can you set this up for us before you jump sure. in? Sure. Can you just just a couple sentences tell us what Bloodline is? It's written by Claudia Gray, who's probably considered the best of the new canon writers. It's an adult book story about Leia. It takes place a few years before The Force Awakens. Go ahead. This book by uh, Bloodlines by Claudia Gray. It's uh, it's an incredible story of uh, Leia after Jedi, basically as as she's a senator, um, and it's an adult book, and it's uh, it's it's really incredible. I am more of an audible, uh, as I've said before on these uh, on the podcast. So I listen to it. I drive a lot for work, so I get a entire uh, entertainment uh, uh, audio. Uh, where they have a little music going. They're, yeah, can they're you describe this actually to me? Because I've been meaning to promote this on the podcast. Just describe in your own words what the Star Wars books do differently than just your average audiobook. So, um, I just in terms of the way they bring the experience, A, uh, like most audiobooks, there's a sole reader, which is incredible. Uh, the, the woman that does it, she, the, the amount of voices that she's able to do, men and women characters, um, 
And if you're able to, I, I don't think it's for everybody. Some people tell me that if they're listening to something like that, they're going to veer off the road because they can't pay attention at the same time and, and listen to it. But uh, listen to it in your living room. You know, it's worth it because the whole theatrical presentation that they're doing uh, is incredible. I mean, I grew up also, you know, listening to to musicals and listening to, to plays and things like that on records and, 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 and uh, tapes and things like that. Um, so maybe it, it kind of goes to that. And I also grew up uh, with a lot of Stephen King books uh, going on long road trips with my family. So I, I, I love those. But the thing that they do is they add the music. They add a little background noise. They add um, – um, and that mixed with the voices creates just an incredible uh, – Entertainment experience. I mean, look, it's not a movie. I get it. Uh, but there's sometimes when you can't sit down and watch a movie. And there's sometimes when you, you know, can't necessarily read. So, uh, Dude, you know, it, there's I, some scenes late in that it. book. You know, how I talked about the uh, end of season two of Rebels as being so cinematic. Mm-hmm. There's some scenes late in Bloodline that feel like a movie to me. And by the way, man, Oh, why if, if we if we grew up in England listening to like the BBC radio plays, like they've been doing this for like fifty years in England. We just didn't grow up in that culture, but they've been doing theater, theatrical. Like the Lord of the Rings radio play is like legendary in the UK. Oh, I've done that as well. I, I did the Lord of the Rings, and also uh, another UK which is incredible. There's an uh, actor named Jim Dale. Uh, he's a uh, big uh, stage actor in in England. I think he's done some things on Broadway, but he does the entire uh, Harry Potter collection. And it is awesome. He does in uh, Harry Potter for the Goblet oh, of Fire. He I've does, heard this is um, amazing. Yes. He does something like over 160 voices or something like that. I, I, I don't quote me on that, but it's like the hit. It's incredible what he does. And I, I've, uh, I've gone through, I, I read those actually reading and I, I, I've gone through the the listening probably uh, countless times. Like I'm, yeah. I'm a third. I've also been to okay both di- both of the Universal Studios. I'm I'm I like the Harry Potter world okay. as well. So. All right, so we digress. No, we 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 <laughs> are progressing. Actually, exactly where I want to go. We're 30 minutes in the podcast. We, you know what? Look, I th- looking back, it was foolish to think that we could save Last Jedi talk for later in the podcast. Right? We had to get some out, and I honestly would love to have you on again, even for a short one, like three weeks from now, when you get a chance to see it once or twice more. Because um, I really think you're going to get a lot more out of it. I'm not saying you're going to like it more or less, but like for example, Yoda. I think we can agree. Amazing. I love. He was just a lot of these. A lot of this movie threw a bunch of curveballs at me. Puppet Yoda like, too, by the way. Oh, real, uh, real Henson-ish. Um, it, that was the puppet. Yeah, they were using the puppet. Right. Wow, I do um, love the puppets. Also, seeing a Force Ghost Yoda can control the living nature is amazing. We didn't know that was possible. I thought they did a great job of expanding Force powers in the movie in a way that was believable and cool without stretching what we would accept about the Force. And I thought Yoda was a part of that. But can, can I just, I'll just give you an example of something. So mm-hmm. do you remember when Luke tries to burn the books and he can't bring himself to do it? So Yoda does it <laughs> and then he burns the tree and he's laughing and everything and Luke freaks out and then Yoda gives him a hard time for not actually having read the books before and all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about? 
Right, 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 right. And he says, there is nothing in there that the girl Ray does not already possess. What do you think he's saying? Right. What do you think he's saying there? I think I think the Jedi are going to live on, and I think uh, she's a pretty powerful Jedi. And I think um, I think as each of these powerful Jedi's passes, another one takes their place. You know, Yoda Yoda passes, or Obi Wan passes, Yoda passes, uh, and you know it's now Luke's and Vader passes. It's all you know a progression of like a torch passing of who's going to bring the Jedi hopefully back to greatness and hopefully progress the Jedi. I mean, it also that they didn't address a ton is that there were these other Jedis that, you know, that, that like started this school and then, you know, now there isn't anymore. So we're back to just a handful of Jedis and they're all un you know, uncharted and no one knows who they were. So I, I kind of got the feeling that, you know, after six, like they're going to really create, you know, kind of a network to where like similar to where they found Ahsoka, you know, like how they used to that where they'd start, you know, collecting and, um, you know, finding, identifying Jedi to, to train them. And, and, you know, it sounds like they're back to square one again. And it's just, you know, the savior, Luke, uh, who's now gone on to the, the in-between. And, and, and there's no, you, you know, the torch has been passed, but like I, I want, I want the Jedi to to go on, and, and that's and they still will. Uncle. And by the way, saying, Ryan right. Johnson resisted the temptation to kill the Jedi, specifically with Luke saying to Kylo Ren, "Every word you just said is wrong. I am not the last Jedi." So we know that right. that's not happening. Can I just give you an example I, of of, of, sure. of something why I think this movie is brilliant? Mm-hmm. So when Yoda says there's nothing in that uh, temple that the girl Ray does not already possess, what he's saying in the important way is she has in herself everything important about what it means to be a Jedi. Forget about books. It's in her as a human being, as an individual, right? Which I think is a really powerful point. It's also part of the critique that both Yoda and Luke make about the Jedi Order, I'm sure you noticed there were a couple quick lines throughout the scenes in Octo where they basically summarized the prequels and how the Jedi were so stupid the way you and I talked about it, you know? I mean, Luke Mm -hmm. talked about the failure of the Jedi and the rise of Darth Sidious. There was a scene where Mm -hmm. Luke, like, summarized the prequels to Rey in, like, three sentences, which I thought was hilarious, about the rise of Darth Sidious (laughs) and Darth Vader and, you know, and blah, 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 blah. Um and so I, there's can that I point aspect. something out that's really interesting. Wait, can I just quick? let me just finish this real quick? Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. But you know what else Yoda was saying? Ray stole the books. When Finn at the end gets the blanket to put on Rose, who's barely alive, in the p- compartment on the Falcon are all the books from the tree. Ray stole it. <laughs> she stole all the books before she left from Luke, and Luke doesn't even know that she has the books. So there's a lot going on there. Go ahead, man. Oh, so so yep. so yep. So Yoda was just fucking with yep. with Luke. Yep. Wow. Yep. And unlike That's Luke, Ray's going to cool. read them, and and she's going to be recruiting a bunch of. And this is why I think Ray isn't nobody because they end the movie with a random nobody kid who has force powers. I think they were really stressing that. So let's save. We're going to save the Ray parentage till the very end because this is still very controversial. But yes, Yoda was definitely fucking with Luke. Luke did not realize right. that he was being historical, metaphorical, symbolic, spiritual, and literal in that comment about the books. Wow. Wow. 
That's great. And that's why you get a fanboy like Ryan Johnson to, to make a movie like this. Because even that, if you don't like all his choices, you know that he's thinking so deeply about it. And by the way, really quickly, man, now, um, is <laughs> my biggest criticism of the Luke throwing the lightsaber over his shoulder is that it felt like Ryan Johnson read every single fan prediction of what was going to happen in that scene and decided to do the one thing that literally nobody predicted which was to just casually throw it over his shoulder. You know what I mean? Like it was almost like he was in some ways trying to please the fans too much there, but go, go ahead. Yeah. He, yeah, I don't want to dwell on that and why he was. No, 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 I don't want to dwell on that either. I'm just talking about Ryan Johnson himself as a fanboy of star Wars, just like JJ Abrams as a fanboy of star Wars. These are beautiful things. I, so to go back to what I was just thinking about, I was watching a new hope recently and like, it's so, I know there's Canon and everything there before, we're about to jump into Big Cannon. I just want to preview to the listeners. Uh, we are about to jump into Big Cannon. Go ahead. Well, I just thought it was interesting that Obi-Wan refers to uh, Vader as a Jedi. Well, what is a Jedi? Ahsoka says... Ahsoka says he doesn't call him I, a Sith. Right. You well, know, he, that, so I just thought it was interesting that, like, is he still calling Vader, like, that there's a Jedi still in him? He was always a Jedi. Is it foreshadowing well, or is it just a mistake? When Ahsoka almost single-handedly takes down her former master, Darth Vader, and she says, I am no Jedi. So what does that mean? Or when Luke says, or when Luke says I, so I am a Jedi, and Yoda laughs at him, and he says, well, Vader, you must face Vader. So, you know, I mean, I don't, or Ma, Maz. Uh, how Maz says, "I'm no Jedi, but I'm I'm one with the Force." You know, or but I am, you know, but I'm in, but I'm 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 in touch with the Force. So I mean, I guess a Jedi at some level is a religion, but like in terms of like becoming one, that's something as a kid growing up with the the original three uh, that I that I really was grappling with like how like what is how do you become a jedi what is a jedi you know okay, because so, even you watch all three and you you st- if you don't have the the, the rest of the, the things that exist after the three you're you're, you're left to kind of you know uh, so luke is a jedi and they're saying return of the jedi and he starts off and he has all these incredible powers in the beginning of jedi you know what i mean so it's like it's this whole including force choking by the way which everyone seems to forget he used dark side yeah powers. he does it to the pigs in the in the green Gamorrean, pigs early the Gamorrean on gods. Yeah. yeah right god you're good you're you're, you're, you're well, so i play star wars me. games and stuff so i know all the fucking terms you, you know i didn't I, I also forget i play this stupid star wars game on my phone um that actually I do just to like look at the stupid characters and play with them. Oh, the, um, not champions. What's it called? Um, uh, where it's like two on two, like combat. Uh, no, it's even dumber than that one. It's called, uh, uh, heroes. Yeah. Heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Heroes. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about like like card. I'm talking about like card and board miniatures games, like really. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um, anyways, that's the one I do play. Yeah. But for that very reason that I like the access to all the different characters and yeah. like you create characters and you upgrade them. It's just an endless, so, you know. Okay. So game. but anyway, let, let's look at what is still my favorite new Star Wars movie. And if you're a Bizzlecast listener at all or know me personally, you know, I'm not just posturing when I say my favorite still of the new three movies is Rogue One. It's very dear to me. I love that Rogue One feels like a direct, like the prequel that we should have gotten to A New Hope as opposed to the prequels. 
Um, it feels direct uh, the original trilogy. I love having an entire movie other than awesome Vader stuff of no Jedi things. But what is Chirrut Imwe, played by Donnie Yen? He says he's not a Jedi. His, his buddy says he's not a Jedi. They're guardians of the wills, but he's blind. He's got like Daredevil-esque skills. He can shoot and fight without being able to see. He can sense kyber crystals. And so why, so what separates that between him and an untrained Jedi? I don't understand. And that's why I like what they're doing because I think the low point, you know how people complain about the midichlorian stuff from the prequels, which I understand. For me, the low point of the prequels was the holy birth of Anakin Skywalker. I still refuse. There's only one piece of headcanon that I just change in my brain from the prequels, even though I don't watch them that much, but they're canon, so I have to accept them. I refuse to accept that Anakin was born from the Force. Because George Lucas is not a Christian, and he's really into Eastern philosophy. And so the Jesusification of Anakin Skywalker, from just from a, a writing standpoint for George Lucas, makes no sense to me. And well, it, you, write for your, you write for your audience. You know, it's a, we, li- we live in a Judeo-Christian George has world. never written for his audience. <laughs> in fact, the only of the three new Star Wars movies that Lucas has criticized was The Force Awakens, because he said J.J. was writing too much for the audience. Like, he was, you know what I mean? For better or worse, he was just trying to please the fans. I'm not saying I agree or disagree with that statement, but Lucas is definitely someone that did the prequels his way. I, we would have done it a different way. But I just think that Shmi Skywalker got knocked up and convinced herself that he was born of the Force because he was so powerful with the Force. That's a much more interesting story and totally compatible with what's going on. Well, it's it's also like, say, it's a, I always kind of looked at the Force and being one with the force and being in touch with the force versus being a Jedi is almost like having like a super, super high IQ and like, like never being not only formally educated, but never doing anything with it, never having the motivation or the capability to go out and do something with this incredible intelligence that you, you were born with. You know, but, but this uh, to me is why I don't want Ray to be related to anyone. And i want the Skywalker blood to end because if we keep making this a blood thing, it's very like Aryan and like kind of scary that you need to have like certain blood to have these skills. And only some people have these skills, you know, and it's divinely ordained, you know, I'm just going on the Skywalker literature. And by the way, the Skywalkers are terrible for society. I mean, Luke saved the universe. Yes. But that was only after his dad was a genocidal killer and now his nephew is a genocidal killer, and Luke barely got his shit together if it wasn't for Ray, right? So this mighty Skywalker blood is flawed so incredibly. It is, because but they're 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 supposed to bring balance to the force. What they're does that not mean? necessarily supposed what does to does that be, mean? Well that wait, wait, that's what I was gonna say. They're not necessarily supposed to be God. That that's kind of how I like. Isn't and, the Bendu trying to bring balance to the Force? Isn't that what the Bendu is about? Isn't that what Ahsoka is about? I I think they both are. But I mean, sometimes you need a little bit of the left. Sometimes you need a little bit to the right. And sometimes you need to yashar yashar yashar. Okay, you know, can, I, can I bring straight, you a really straight, mundane straight. metaphor? Yeah. You remember when you were first learning to drive? Uh huh. Who, who taught you to, to learn how to drive? Your dad. Yeah. Okay. Me too. When you're learning to drive. <laughs> And you're, yeah. you're on the road, right? What's mm-hmm. the first lesson about staying in your lane? What do you do visually to make sure you're not swerving? Do you look directly oh, you in front of the, you? you? No. 
you no, look you use well ahead of the car. Yeah, and you use the I use the lines with the with the tail light. Yeah, but I'm saying you, you're using the lines 10, 20 feet in front of you. You're not using the right. lines right in front of the car. If you start looking down right. directly, you start swerving. Whereas if you use your peripherals to drive, which is what right. you're supposed to do, then you can be steady. Right. So what right. I am postulating is that the balance used to be, at least as they told it to us, balance between the dark and the light sides of the force. But what I think they're going towards in the new Grey Jedi, Ryan Johnson, Ahsoka, Rebels, Bendu, even Kanan and Ezra's characters is let's stay, let's start in the middle leaning towards the light and that's that's the balance. Because if you have too much dark or too much light or both, it's right. You're going to start swerving every which way. Like politically, look in our country right now, right? I mean, is our country better with a really strong left and a really strong right? Or would it be better if everyone was sort of slightly left of center? I would argue right. it would be better if everyone was slightly left of center. I, I could be wrong about that. The Jedi, you know, were these people with all these incredible powers that they were born with. And then... Uh, because of the force that they are, no pun intended, unfortunately had to become political. I remember just even in the, the, the crap trilogy in one, two, and three, they, they talk about, you know, what their role is, you know, to protect the senators, uh, you know, like we're, we're not here to investigate. Well, uh, I think investigation is implied in our mission master, you know, this back and forth between Obi-Wan and Anakin. By the way, if you take Hayden Christensen out, and you take some of the lines where he's specifically supposed to be irrationally angry. Anakin is right mm-hmm. almost all the time in the prequels. He's, his responses to Obi-Wan and Yoda when he's being even semi-rational, just on the page, his criticisms are totally on point. Go ahead. And they are, but the problem is how he handles it. And like he's too emotional, and that's, the, that's his whole problem. But yeah, and I'm also I'm also biased because I've seen the Clone Wars now, which is an Anakin, which is much more likable and relatable. But go ahead, right? So there there's this back and forth about you know where they're supposed to set in. So this polit- the politics unfortunately ends up becoming part of the Jedi, and then there's the whole aspect of the religion versus versus uh, you know kind of the way of wielding the Force. You know, in Judaism, it's almost as if the Jedi are compared to like that of like Kabbalah. You know. And like, there's this, there's been this fad, and I don't know if it's still a fad, or you know, where Madonna was into Kabbalah, and these other people that aren't Jewish aren't into Kabbalah. And I always just thought it was kind of silly, just because I'm like, you can't just, you know, get into the frosting. You gotta, you know, if you are really gonna get into Kabbalah and really try to have these powers and this mysticism and all this stuff, you know, you gotta start at square one, and you have to, you know, embody what you believe. So. The Jedi had the religion aspect of what they embody and they believed, which what we've talked about in the last podcast about how it's counterintuitive and it's tough to, to live like that. You're not supposed to have those types of relationships and blah, blah, blah. So ultimately, then there's their role in the world and then there's their powers. So now that they're, the, 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 the politics are gone because those, you know, they were all killed and there's only just few Jedi, they can start from scratch. And I think that's what Yoda, now you're telling me that the books actually still exist, but that's what he was kind of doing in my mind when, he, when I thought the books were burned, that like the school is within Rey. And, 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 school of and, the mind, and, yep. Right, the school, she, she that, brings that, the school that was a with teaser. her, with or without the books. That's with the point. With or without the books, she, yeah. 
Right. You know, uh, the same way, you know, if we, we were talking about X-Men earlier, the same way Logan, you know, is Professor Logan, oh, you yeah. know, in one Dude, world. Ray and is he's a mutant. Wolverine Ray, in another. Ray operates exactly like a mutant, which is that when she gets emotional, angry, upset, anything, her powers, you know, multiply incredibly. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 she needs she needs teachers, and hopefully the these these Jedi that are in the in between are going to become her her yeah. teachers. All right, buddy. I just want to bring up something about Ray. Everyone loves Ray and loves Daisy Ridley, and so I, <laughs> I don't feel like I, I ever need to defend her because I mean I see boys cosplay as Ray, you know, like little boys. It makes me That's so awesome. happy, you know. I mean, I, I've seen little boys cosplay as Wonder Woman this year, actually, but especially Ray. That's pretty cool too. But that's that. But the I, Ray ones. Well, I think, I, is I a think little, Ray, in my mind are little, yeah. more interchangeable, but I think it's great that they're doing both. I think Ray is the Ripley of our generation. Like Ray is going to go down as like, or, or the Leia of our generation, obviously. Um, she's going to go down as the modern, uh, prototypical female action hero. Whereas I talk about Wonder Woman. I don't know if you agree with me on this. I say, look, Wonder Woman isn't a badass who happens to be female. Wonder Woman is specifically powerful because of her female qualities, right? That's what makes her so great in 2017. Is like I think yeah, yes, absolutely. Wonder Woman kicks ass, but her her, you know, undying attachment to love and compassion and so forth that that gives her power, I think is so cool and I think we see similar things in in Ray. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about this on the last podcast as well. You know, the overall strength of these female characters, you know, from from Ahsoka to to Leia to to Rey to to Jen, you know, they're all they're all not only the main characters, but they're they're incredible. They're great main characters. Like they're the the male role is not the male role. Anymore. It's but a, this is the problem. And this is the problem. I don't want to talk about this too much because I know you and I agree on this and we're not of this part of America. But the problem is the following. We've had three new Star Wars movies. The main characters are Rey and Jen. Um, but even more so, in The Last Jedi, the females are wiser and smarter and on point almost in every case more than the men in The Last Jedi. And this is not a criticism from me. This is just me studying criticisms in society. Is that Finn is, is kind of weak and ineffectual. Poe is a hothead. You know, I mean, we need Leia and Holdo and Rose and Rey, even to get Luke Skywalker in line. And you know what? After 100 years of men dominating film, I love that Star Wars is the one to turn things on its head a little bit. Still directed by a man, and still in the end, Luke Skywalker is a boss. But apparently that's not enough for white men over 30 in America, who are who's really the main group that has an issue with the new movie, is, is that demographic. So I just want to get out there really quickly before we move to the final part, which is much more positive. I don't know if you have thoughts about this. I mean, that's just sad. I really wish that people were more progressive, but a smart person told me that uh, people are stupid. A person is smart. Um, And unfortunately, we're seeing that reflection in how we vote and in our criticism. But you know, I, I don't know where male chauvinism dominates, you know, all, all this like entitlement, you know, 
is I don't I don't see an end to it. So I don't find it surprising. I just find it sad, unfortunately. Uh, but for the rest of us, we get to enjoy this incredible new franchise that that's uh, that's emerging. I mean, yes. But I feel bad for people who don't appreciate that even though the Finn's Rose storyline was problematic, that I thought Kelly Marie Tran as Rose killed it, and it could have come off as nagging so much during the movie, and it never did. Oh, yeah. It never did. It was just Even her. how she was like a cheerleader. She was like a, a fan a fangirl. Uh, oh, my God, you're Finn. Right. Right. Well, I, I like that because, like, be- behind every man, there's a strong woman uh, in every success story. I've been watching a lot of drunk history lately. I don't know if you're into that. But in every story. In every story. And by the way, men, for straight men, if you don't believe this, by the way, if you don't need believe that you need a strong woman or more behind you, then you don't know what you're doing. Sorry. Yeah, honestly. you If you don't have... And these people that go out and have many relationships, it's like you're never going to be so successful because you're spreading yourself too thin also, and you don't have a support network. Strong women <laughs> but we're psychologists. are hot. <laughs> like, Unfortunately, that's a taste. That's an opinion. I don't you know? think and so. Like I don't some think people, so. And, and this is the problem. These, these guys that grew up with these type of households with you know these type of parents like are – like the Mad Men thoughts. generation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's so angry, yeah, and, yeah. You know, um, but I thought they, I thought they had great chemistry really quickly. I don't want to talk too much about Finn and Rose. I thought they had great chemistry. She had an impossible task as an unknown actress to come in out of nowhere and join the main cast. I thought the early scene selling her and her sister with her sister dying with the bombing run was super powerful. Uh, by the way. Although they're not related, they are both Vietnamese. I realize this is a galaxy far, far away, but I appreciate that they went the extra mile for the sisters and made them at least from the same culture in real life. Right. I think is super cool. I thought, by the way, a couple more small thoughts. We're going to get into some super heady stuff. I thought this was maybe the first Star Wars movie ever where I even enjoyed the tiny side characters who only had one or two lines. Like I felt like every side character in this movie was well cast, and I was rooting for all of them. Even the pilots that got like blown up right away and stuff like that. You know, George Lucas had a huge issue with <laughs> getting side characters oh, can that we, could act. Can, we, yeah. can I take a side bizzle bar real quick? Yes, uh, please. I, I think they killed too many people. Um, Which is so funny all- because it's the biggest criticism of Marvel and Disney is they don't kill anyone. <laughs> I think like because like also after going through Bloodlines and uh, again, which is an incredible book. Uh, Dude, do not worry. Get- we, I am leading us towards Bloodlines. I know it seems like a, a circuitous path, but trust me, keep going. Well, so Sea Striker, one of the characters, uh, Commander Sea Striker, he he goes into in depth about what it's like to be an X-Wing pilot and, and what it's like to love, love your plane and what it's like to be, you know, uh, top gun, literally top gun in, in, in what they're doing, you know? Uh, and he's like the best of the best. And you see all these X-Wing pilots die in, in the, in, 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 in Jedi in the, um, God, I'm like, I'm like getting all choked up. Actually, it's just the end of the day. But um, sure, no. In the Last Jedi, sure. you see all the X wings go down, and they're 
I don't want to say Cavalier. Survive. The 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 uh, the new bomber, the super bombers are the ones that go down. Some no, a but lot in of the, the beginning, X-wings. in the beginning uh, with Poe's run, a lot of the X wings die and the bomb. Well, the, no, what I'm saying scenes. is uh, the X wings survive that initial run, but then Kylo blows up the hangar and kills all of them, including the super cute A wing pilot who I have such a crush on. Oh my god, <laughs> I am so well, in love I mean. with the A wing pilot, Tally. Tally, I was like, no, not Tally. <sighs> She's dead. Oh, she's dead. dead. Which it, it, she reminded me very much of a of one of the sexy Battlestar fighter pilots. People who don't know out there, Battlestar Galactica um, is also, uh, although it is in a galaxy far, far away and a long time ago. Uh, but they're more related to us than Star Wars. That's all I'm going to say without spoiling anything. There is a connection with Earth. It takes place a long time ago. Different society. They are human. Uh, and not only are women equal, but they're actually superior in a lot of ways. As they're portrayed in Battlestar, they're stronger, they have stronger wills, the president's a woman, uh, and while well, the admiral's a man played by Ed- Edward James Olmos, uh, who's a legendary actor, uh, they mostly get bossed around by women who are like the hotshot fighter pilots. Um, and uh, I love that they're finally starting to work that into the new series. Like, I want to see as many female pilots as male pilots. I, you know, I feel like we're, we're getting there slowly they dude uh, some people said yeah that there was too much of an emotional break at the beginning of the movie with all those people dying but man that's how hoth was in empire right i mean and when you watch empire with fresh eyes like the rebellion almost dies there and also that uh not only does the rebellion almost die i mean these are world killer like that's the other thing watching rogue one and um you know, watching A New Hope and watching, you know, the Death Stars, you know, they, it's not a nuke, you know, it's not Hiroshima, it's not Pearl Harbor, it's the planet, you know, like, it's, at some level, un, it, it's not even fathomable that, like, it, it's, they're, they're destroying planets entire system star killer base blew up the entire hosnian system which is where the new republic was based okay so i want to get into the lore specifically around bloodlines but i have to give you the aftermath lore to get there so sure will you give me permission to just drop like two or three minutes of lore knowledge on you because i know you haven't had time to listen to my last few podcasts where we've talked about this and i also you know, I, people have said, Bizzle, sometimes you, you talk about things in multiple podcasts. It's because I don't assume that all my listeners listen to all my podcasts. Um, and I try and frame it in different ways. But some of this stuff is also very important, you know? So, like, yeah. when yeah, I talk yeah, about yeah. the, like, social importance of Wonder Woman, like, yes, I'm going to talk about that in multiple podcasts, you know? Like, just deal <laughs> with the people. And I'll try and make it interesting each time. It's gall. So, oh, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to tell you what officially happened after return of the Jedi leading into bloodline. And then I want you to talk about bloodline because I think that is an example of what I hope the new Canon books are going. Great. Is that sound okay? I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So death star blows up. There's an Ewok party. Doesn't stop then. In fact, there's five years of fighting after return of the Jedi, which is, completed at the battle of you want to name the planet you you know it it's in the new trilogy it's very important in the new trilogy spent a lot of time in the new movies at this planet we see downed star destroyers and walkers on this planet and meet some of our characters four 
Jakku. I can't do quizzes at the end of the night. I can do talk. Oh, no, that's fine. I was saying the new trilogy. <laughs> I was saying plans oh, for the new oh, trilogy. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's why it's not a coincidence race from there. So there's five years of fighting. We knew that beforehand. And there was a giant battle between what was left of the Rebellion fleet, uh, w- which was sort of ahead, and what was left of the Empire. Battle of Jakku. Re- Rebels win. Okay. That's the easy story. And then there's like 20 years of quiet. And then we pick up with Bloodline, with Leia, and this new menacing force, which we don't know where it comes from. Well, here's the thing, Sammy. The Battle of Jakku was actually a giant setup. That wasn't what either side thought. I need you to brace yourself from what I'm about to tell you. This is, this is pretty heady, actually. I only found about this recently, which is that Emperor Palpatine, according to New Canon, again, foresaw that he was going to die. He did not foresee that it was going to be Vader, but he foresaw that he was going to die prematurely. He also saw that the empire that he built was incredibly flawed and was full of a lot of incompetence and stupidity. And so Palpatine put into place a program that was only entrusted to his top officers that if he were to die prematurely, they would initiate what they call Operation Cinder. And this is explored in the new Battlefront uh, video game as well as the books. But Operation Cinder basically meant that what was left of the Empire after the death of Vader and the Emperor wasn't just going to try and destroy the rebellion, but they were going to destroy themselves. They were going to destroy the 90% weakest part of themselves, of the empire. And the strongest part was going to go to the outer rim and form what we now know as the first order. However, you've got even crazier than that, which was that the battle of Jakku. So Jakku is actually, and this might go towards when we get to the raised parentage theory at the end might support you or, or I think where maybe you're going. Jakku is actually a very, very, very force-powerful planet. It's a, it's a very Sithy planet. And the plan of Palpatine's uh, minions, according to Operation Cinder, was they were going to, I'm not making this up, get all of the most powerful Sith uh, um, items uh, and weapons and put it in the core of the planet of Jakku and blow up the planet during the final battle, killing all of the Empire and the Rebellion, leaving just Palpatine's hand-picked advisors and so forth to go to the Outer Rim. But in, in the Aftermath books, that was actually stopped at the last minute by Admiral Sloan, a woman who was in the Emperor's entourage who thought that was going too far. And she ended up going out and forming at what we find in, in Bloodline to be the beginning of the First Order. But it wasn't quite as extreme as the Emperor's plan. And I'm going to finish with this. I'll stop preaching. But this is important to the new trilogies and stuff coming out. Is part of the Emperor's plan was actually going beyond the outer rim into potentially other galaxies and other parts of the universe which has never happened in star wars before so that was the plan didn't completely work out but we do see the seeds of the first order so can i ask you a direct question about the bloodline book yes did any of that make sense i'm not saying buy it yeah but that's, that that's is a the lot lore. that's i mean i get it i mean it's it's not like that story hasn't been done before you know like we have to blow it all up to start over you know and from the ashes we rise well, he, you know he, i mean that's a repeated yeah you know uh story well and, he, and here's the cool part too actually that i forgot to mention was do you know how when we see the emperor on the death star through most of return of the jedi what does he do when he's done talking to whoever he just turns his chair and looks out the window into the uh the universe you know Mm -hmm. so the emperor had built observatories 
at, at the edges of all parts of the galaxy, which are essentially what our giant radar uh, telescopes are. So Palpatine, mm-hmm. for many decades, has been looking well beyond the galaxy for what we can only assume is a very strong dark force presence. Maybe it's like a black hole or a supernova or like a spirit or anything. So there's some Star Trekky things going on, and we might go to other galaxies and visit other aliens and stuff. Huh. So That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's so many directions they can go, and there's so much content. And I mean, the characters are so strong in all these different levels that they, I mean, like, you know, not to parlay to uh, or segue to our, our last topic, but I mean, just like, like solo, I'm so excited for solo. Like I'm so excited for all these different, these different areas that individuals, I want to know their stories, let alone where the greater galaxy, the greater, the greater line plot line is really heading. I mean, that's just, there's just so many things happening at once. And that's why I think the last Jedi was why I really liked it was because it opened all these different doors, uh, to, 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 to things that can happen and to, to other plot lines and, and just continuing this, uh, this world. So to ask you a very fresh question leading into bloodline, now that you know that it was part of the emperor's plan, that something like the first order would happen following his, his demise, does that cheapen the first order or does it help explain why it exists in the first place and look so much like the empire? Well, I guess the, the other way that I'm kind of looking at it sure. was to, that it wasn't, necessarily that he saw it or that he like had a contingency plan no he did it's called the contingency you can look it up online yeah yeah it's called the contingency he had like robots that had his voice recorded message that talked to admirals in the fleet like it was completely planned right i mean he's one of the greatest minds of this world ever and like so he didn't have a plan of course he had a plan so i mean the seeds of the empire are that of the planet that is the first order, regardless, you know, they're, they have this symbiotic relationship no matter what. So the first order is fucking scary because they're, they're way more powerful and underground with their roots as everybody kind of dances in this like free world while they like gain and gain and grow their, grow their power in the outer rims and gaining an arsenal and you know in 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 bloodline spoiler you know they they definitely hinder it at some level but as you see you know bloodlines is is pre is is pre last jedi so you know they're six years you know obvious yeah so i mean there you, you see where it gets to but yeah it's this 30 years of like yeah we're good no problem and then you know they're right there you know they've just been getting stronger and stronger so you know it i think that was also a that was one of the only criticisms i heard was that it was this recycled story but i mean i mean if you don't like the recycled story of good versus evil then like what are you doing in fantasy land you know but the new characters that yes. they create and the den the new uh the remix if you will is is terrific uh, i mean like i i don't I, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. This one I don't. I, I mean, like I said, I need to see it again. But I think it's on the bottom of my list of the new three. But it's definitely you know after that I, I don't know. Like I think I like Awakens more than it. I think yeah, I like I'm not Rogue gonna. One. Uh, or, I mean, I know I like Rogue One more than. I'm it, going but. to do you a favor and just say not make a judgment until you see it a couple more times. I will. I will. It is also I, on the bottom of my three, but I feel more prepared now that I've seen it a couple more times. So. 
I would be curious be, just only because I know that there's there are elements to this movie that I, I think in getting to know you again after all these years would be something you would like. Because again, even though it's a two and a half hour movie, it feels like you're getting beat over the head by the aesthetic genius. By the way, right. can I just say... There wasn't a single pretentious shot in the movie. There was not a single shot in two and a half hours where I'm like, oh, this is Ryan Johnson trying to be artistic. Say what you will about the Leia thing. That has more to do with special effects and and conception. But in terms of shooting regular drama, I felt like he did the Lucas thing in a positive way and what J.J. did, which was to never try and steal what was going on in the scene and let the drama kind of play out. Does that make sense? Um, and also the the science fiction aspect of it, of the technology to not trying to overdo it. Like I loved what they did with the salt, uh, with the red. I mean, and the, how it just turned like when they were dragging those old uh, ships uh, at the end and created that red yeah. smoke. And, uh, and, that, that's incredible because yeah. it's just so it's like it's a natural occurrence of what would happen there, and it just you know it brings you in touch with the planet more. I, I thought it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked that cinematography. Uh, scene. I mean, that was obviously one of the big scenes. That By the they way, liked too, because with the red and the white. And yeah, a couple things on that. So you know, the old guy goes out with the binoculars, and they pan to the trenches, and the rebel tastes it and goes salt. Salt. Yeah. The bearded redhead next to him without a helmet is Gareth Edwards, who's the director of Rogue One. Um, oh, that's cool. Which I thought was especially cool because the final battle had a lot of Rogue One elements to it with the ground fighting, I thought, um, in, in a good way. That was one thing I liked about this movie. I felt it drew from both Rogue One and Force Awakens, especially with the military stuff. But yeah, that was like one of the most obvious cameos of all time. It was like, you'll see Gareth Edwards on screen for like for a while. But dude... When Luke is moving around against Kylo, he, he there's no red under his feet, and Kylo doesn't notice that all this stuff I never got in the first time I saw it. Because let me ask you just straight up while we're here, because I do want to run back to those topics, but I have to ask: Did oh, you great, think that great. there was something off with Luke in the final scene, or were you just in it and just going along with whatever was going on? Well, like I said, I I, I said it. Again, I'll say it again confidently. I've always thought Luke is the chosen one. I mean, he was. It wasn't. No, no, no. Vader I'm saying your experience. To... I'm saying your personal uh, experience. Did you think Luke Skywalker was physically there in the final battle when you were watching? Yeah, Truth, kind truthfully, of. I did. Yeah, I did. I did not yeah, question yeah. it whatsoever. But I thought it was some Jedi trick that either he was so fast that like he moved and then came back. You know what I mean? Or I just thought it was he was. Like I was saying, like I think he's the most capable. He has the, the the power and the potential to be the most capable Jedi ever, or the best Jedi ever, or the most powerful Jedi ever. But he hasn't been doing it that long. I mean, Yoda, three hundred years he lived. You know, like, <laughs> like, like, like Luke's what sixty, sixty five, and illiterate apparently, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> which i think totally jives so, with him being a farm boy but whatever yeah right that's so embarrassing yeah <laughs> page turners they were not <laughs> <laughs> but like dude little things like he fools his own sister so he walks in he's got the haircut i'm still thinking it's Luke skywalker first time i watched it even when he ducked the lightsaber, I'm thinking this is still Luke Skywalker. Like, I knew there was four stuff going on, but I still thought it was him. 
Se- oh, I thought it was him the whole time. Yeah. Second time watching, Carrie Fisher is very confused, but she's happy to see him. She forgives him. She makes the joke about her hair, which she wrote, by the way. Carrie Fisher wrote a bunch of her hilarious lines in this movie, uh, which oh, Ryan Johnson that. has confirmed, which I told you on our podcast. And I'm, oh, that's what – they didn't read it. You told me. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I told you, and now they've said it. But I told you on our podcast that I had inside some inside scoop that she had been involved in the writing based on some offhand remarks Ryan Johnson had said, and now they've openly, you know, said it because people are like, this sounds too much like Carrie Fisher, you know, in a good way. Um, Like when when her and Laura Dern both try and uh, say, may the force be with you at the same time. And they kind of just laugh about it. That was a totally a Carrie Fisher thing, which I loved. Um, But anyways, you see her, see Luke. She's shocked. She's about giving up hope. And, he touches her hands before he gives her the Han Solo uh, bracelet, the, the dice bracelet. He touches her right. hands, and Carrie Fisher darts her eyes up in a very subtle but on multiple watchings noticeable way. At that moment, she realizes what's going on, but she's not going to give away the secret because she realizes the long game that Luke is playing. And if she were to say anything to her own people or to anyone, it's a need-to-know basis. And she's still happy to see him, but you can tell on repeat watchings. Just little things like that or whatever. But it definitely, I will say, does not make it less cool, especially because, uh, although I saw three times, each time time i saw it with a pretty new audience and they were shocked at the luke reveal when he was like hovering above the stone the whole time i i could hear the audience every single time i saw it was that was that something palpable in your viewing either of yourself or the people around you and that with that luke reveal um i didn't i didn't feel i was just like i kind of got it right before like wow it okay, wasn't so you huge... picked up on it yeah because i did oh i picked up on I did it not. I, I, I mean the whole time like i said i thought I wanted to believe. Uh, just towards the end, I was like, I was like, oh, he's not. Actually, I, I think I whispered to my fiance. I said, oh, he's not. He's not really there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, most of the like when they shoot the cannons at him and, and okay. all the rock, everything. Yeah, I, I totally. I thought he was just like dodging or something. Like yeah. I, I couldn't. He's doing some old Jedi trick. Oh, oh. So. I just want to stick on force talk because I love talking with you about force talk. You have such an interesting perspective on it. And because we both love Ahsoka and the complexities that we've gotten in clone wars and rebels about the force, I I think are applicable, right? So what is Yoda? One of many Yoda's famous lines in empire. He says, uh, anger, uh, fear leads to anger, right? Anger leads to hate, right? And hate hate leads leads to to suffering. The dark side. Hate leads to suffering. Suffering and the dark side. Yeah. He basically says that. To suffering and the dark side, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Let's look at Rey. Let's look at the first, The Force Awakens. She had two major battles with Kylo, right? What was the first major one? Well, it was when he was basically mind raping her, right? Let's be honest. Like, she was tied down and he was trying to force his way into her brain. Right. He he, kidnaps her and then... And they have that like five minute stare off scene, which you could only pull off in the Star Wars movie, you know? And she resists him. 
And then she beats him at the end of the lightsaber. And I love that Snoke, who we're going to get to, because I want to hear you on Snoke, but Snoke calls him out at the beginning of The Last Jedi for losing that lightsaber battle, which I thought was great, because um, it reminds the audience, but is also a truth, which is exactly what someone like Snoke would say, which is, this girl's never held a lightsaber, and she kicked your ass. And then we see Rey beat up Luke, right? I mean, Rey looks like she's going to strike Luke down for a second. And then we see Rey fight against the guards at the end of Last Jedi. And then we see Rey have the, 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 again, second part stare off with Kylo with the lightsaber, right? Where they're pulling at, which by the way, rest in peace, Anakin Skywalker is blue lightsaber is officially destroyed uh, in this movie. But what happens? Oh, that's it. That's it. But what happens after every single... Oh, this is another Ahsoka note. But what happens every single time Rey gets angry? She never starts looking like the Emperor. She immediately comes back to herself and is grounded again as a character, right? And this is the whole Ahsoka thing, right? When we see Ahsoka go up against Vader, she, she'll go seemingly extremely angry, but then she'll be grounded again as Ahsoka, and so my question is, is this, it, do you think that they're purposely steering the force in the way that we were talking about earlier in the podcast, where it is a little bit more ambiguous and nebulous and like, you can be a good person, but still have feelings of like love and even anger and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to sort of the old I, I Jedi. I think that's the, that's the evolution. And why shouldn't, you know, your love for something motivate you? I mean, isn't that what the reality of most things are like, you know, you love your life, you love your wife, you love your job. You, you don't really love your job, but I mean, you, you love what your job brings you. Otherwise, you know, like you, you're motivated by certain things. So to say, to just blindly believe that if I lead this Puritan lifestyle, I'll become more in touch with the force and to, be so scared of the dark side i mean i think also there's this aspect where all of a sudden they 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 get into this in rebels where ezra's like you know i'm worried about becoming dark i'm really about becoming bad and 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 kanan's like you become bad or you're either bad or you're good you don't you know the dark side can be sedu- seductive, but you you make your own choices. Kanan Kanan never talks in those terms ever with Ezra. He gets worried about Ezra when he taps into the dark side, but he never. Th- the problem with Obi Wan and Yoda was that when Anakin was getting in touch with the dark side, they get suspicious and threatened and start talking to him in a negative manner. What does Kanan do whenever Ezra starts flirting with the edge? He's comforting. He's paternal, right? Right. He says, just relax. It's okay. We'll work through this. And dude, through three and a half seasons, we're almost at the end of rebels. Even with Darth Maul. I mean, Ezra leads to Maul losing. I mean, he, he brings Maul to Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan right. kills Maul, right? I mean, he's, yeah, he's... I'm so curious. I, we're not even going to have enough time to get into that No, one, we aren't, like, but God. I just, I, I yeah, think it's really that interesting that the quote-unquote kids show is dealing with some of these issues on a way that it seems to be too mature for some of the adult quote-unquote audience of the movies, um, if you would just watch the show. Um, but you see what I'm saying about Ray, right? It's like, it doesn't seem like they're forcing it. Like, it seems natural that you would be angry in these situations, but also that you would become grounded. 
And so let us lead into right here, which is I did not expect you of all people to still have conspiracy theories about Ray's parentage, but I am fascinated to hear what you think about this. I just, I, I mean, I guess it's at some level that's probably kind of what happened, but I think there's probably more to it than that. That's all. Like, like I give think, me, give me, give me a hypothetical. Give me anything. You know, if Han had a, and I'm not saying that she's Han's kid or something like she's that. She's not. I'm just saying Han, she's not. And that's not my point. I'm just saying Han had many relationships with many women, I assume, from the way he okay. he was and the way he is. Hold okay? on. I'm sorry. So. Well, no, I'm, I got to stop you. I'm stopping you. I'm pulling the bizzle. I only do this once really? per show. I'm pulling a bullseye on you okay. right now. Convince me why I should care that Ray's parents are anything other than some alcoholics. Because right well, now I'm, I'm really fascinated by her being a nobody. I've always wanted her to be a nobody, and I'm still not convinced why. Yes, it would be cool if she was a Kenobi. I definitely all don't want I'm her to be a Skywalker. Is- but I don't see from a character development standpoint to me why it's important that she's related to anybody because i think there's a relationship between her and ray or ren i think there's something yeah. more between them i don't think it was They're in just, love with each no. other that's what's going on oh that's well, he's he's in love with her i mean look i can only talk from the straight man's perspective i have seen that look in kylo ren's eyes before Okay, I've never been that evil, I don't think, but I've seen that look at the end when he is begging her to come with him. He I think is he's in love with her power. With her. No, I think un- he is in love with her, with her and her power. I don't think she's in love with him. And I'm wondering if her friend zoning him so clearly is driving his <laughs> e- e- evilness even more. Right. I guess... No, what's your interpretation? Anything's open, dude. I'm not presenting you any kind of objectivity here. I'm just telling you what I experienced. All I was saying that if, if Ren, if, if, if Ren saw... Kylo, just call him Kylo. If, yeah. if Kylo saw an actual vision of who her parents were... Which he lies all sh- the time, by the way. Right. He I says mean, in the first movie, he like says he hates Han Solo. Character. Right, and now he says he doesn't hate Han Solo. Yeah. Right. Why couldn't that have just been this Han Solo-ish character who like is actually became a great person in the rebellion or something? I don't know. There's just this like strong relationship even before Snoke pitted them against each other and made that connection. There's already some sort of connection between these two. Like just uh the power they yield and their you know uh destiny to to meet you know and the destiny to be in battle and the saga that's going on are they just they're just two strangers are you familiar with the term negging yeah you get you say something uh negative to term positive like you we'll be more specific negging is generally when a male heterosexual male wears tries to wear down a woman by saying negative things about them and then saying or doing something positive to try and manipulate them it can go either way it can be genderless for sure but it's right it's a pretty disgusting strategy that you do see men use this is relating to gaslighting. Do you know what gaslighting yes, is? Yes, I was just going to say this. Yes. Is that gaslighting. Okay. Yes. So what Kylo has been doing for two movies now has been a mixture of negging and gaslighting Ray. So to me, if she's related to someone, the more interesting thing is the way he's been manipulating her on this subject and gaslighting and negging her. He says, you're nobody. And by the way, this was another self-conscious Ryan Johnson line. Like, this is going to turn how, how you think. When he goes, you don't belong in this story. 
right? What's he saying when he says to her, you don't belong in this story? He's going, you're not a Skywalker or a Solo. You don't, you shouldn't be here and you're nobody. And then all of a sudden he gets sweet and he goes, but not to me, right? I mean, come on. How many asshole guys have we seen pull shit like that before? You know what I mean? Like that's such a dick move. No, he's, he's horrible. Like he's like the worst. But he believes it, but he believes it. And dude, but Simi, here's my, here's what I need to run by you is that I listen to a lot of female Star Wars podcasts, which is more of a thing since the new movies came out big time. And well, they're not all like Raylo all the way. They all want a complicated relationship between Kylo and Rey. And many of these identify as strong feminists and they really like the Kylo character and they like the Kylo Ray thing. Men are much more likely to want nothing to do with Kylo because he killed Han Solo, who we love, and he's an evil character. I think it's interesting. You would think stereotypically that women would be the ones who would be most averse to Kylo, but I hope you can trust me in saying I have sampled this enough with men and women in the Star Wars community to tell you that women love Kylo. And yes, it is related to the fact that they think Adam Driver's hot, and in real life, he's a really sweet guy. But nevertheless, it's God, an I'm gonna, interesting I'm gonna, situation. Wait. All right, so I have no problem telling men that they're attractive or not. Okay, I don't think he's that attractive at all. First, of all. I'm just telling you what women away, say. I, I have no, 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 no. I, motive here. Saying, yeah, that doesn't take away from the fact that I do like his character and I think he plays it very well. But I don't think he's attractive at all. A. That's B, fine. I'm just I'm I, telling well, you what just, Star Wars fangirls argument, are like. Wait, where is these? Where are these women's argument for like he killed the only father figure Ray ever had, and now she's supposed to like bang him? No, what? no, they want her to redeem him. They don't want her to bang him. They want her redeem to redeem him. Re- how? Like, Vader was redeemed you? after being a genocidal killer. Uh, yeah. And by the way, I did love how Snow ish. I loved, maybe we should tie in Snoke here. Let me put it this way. Snoke turned out to be a worthless character, but that considering it, everything they could get out of him, they got out of him. And the, the way they brought in him taunting Kylo for wanting to be, but not being the next Darth Vader, I really, really liked. And also Andy Serkis is a genius, so that helped a lot with the Snoke stuff. I, I, I wanted more Snoke. I, I, I was a little sad that he was such a, like, that he wasn't such a stronger character. Do you think that that was, like, J.J. in the original movie, like, they just needed a big bad behind Kylo and Hux? And by the way, if nothing else, the death of Snoke in this movie makes the Kylo-Hux battle in the third movie really interesting, considering there was some great dark humor between the two of them in this film going back and forth i thought i loved the hux kylo humor in this movie you know how like like hux almost killed him when he was unconscious and then he's like i'm not taking your orders he starts choking hux and then he's like okay you're the new supreme leader but obviously right yeah yeah, yeah. but but then kylo would give an order and hux would give the same order right afterwards and kylo looked at him like what and then kylo threw him across the room but hux was there at the end i think my prediction is the second move the third movie is going to start with a power struggle between those two i think ultimately the first order is going to fall by the wayside and Kylo with his dark Jedi disciples are going to be the major threat in the final film. But talk to me about Snoke. I mean, was there any way based on force awakens looking back now, they could have made Snoke cool in your mind. I just thought, um, I just thought how he fell into just obviously stupidly 
thinking that he didn't create a monster. Like, how did he not realize that, like, he's going to kill him? Like, I was just like, oh, my God. You know why? He's going to kill him. Because Kylo is the best mind controller that we've ever seen. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's incredibly powerful. Right. Ray's the only one who can resist him. So, yeah, I just wanted, I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, advertising-wise and, and, um, you know, a whodunit-wise to create the mystery behind the movie, uh, they have, you know, the man behind the curtain, which is Snoke, and he wasn't, you know, all-powerful that comparative to Palpatine. He seemed to be Remember, more of the uh, Count Dooku-ish level well, of yes. perception. But, but, but <laughs> you, you jump know? to the prequels, man. You know, there is some good lore in the prequels, and one of them is that both the dark side and the light side users admit that the forces is shadowed, and even the strongest force users, when it comes to reading other people, aren't always correct, you know? I mean, that's what was great about Ian McDermott in Revenge of the Sith that made that movie watchable to me, is that he isn't sure until the very end that he's going to turn Anakin. After all the work he puts in for three movies... Before Anakin kills Mace Windu, he's not 100% sure, right? He can't totally get in his mind. And that's why he doesn't see Vader turning until it's too late. And this is, again, something to look for in your second viewing of Last Jedi, is Snoke looks into Kylo's mind and says, yes, I can feel passion. I can feel a singularity of purpose. I can feel lack of conflict. And you know who your true enemy is. And all of those statements are true. He just doesn't realize that it's being focused towards him and not Rey because Kylo is able to shield it and even ray doesn't know actually if you watch ray ray thinks for sure she's a goner in that until the last moment so kylo has mad i totally brain as skills. you were saying that as you were saying that that's what i like was like oh my god he's gonna fucking kill him <laughs> that's awesome okay so, so let's talk about something cool we love real quick he slices snoke in half we see the body fall in a pg-13 family movie i loved it and not only that we saw the second half of his body fall later on which was hilarious again yeah darth maulish yeah separation but uh and then we get a little bit of a slow-mo shot with the hero music with the two of them and did that not feel like the end of either of the avengers movies like the two of them slight slow motion the swelling music they're about to take on huge odds they're even like throwing lightsabers at each other you know Kylo, of the galaxy yeah 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 it felt more like avengers to me though you know uh, how i got it, you though i'd like in the second avengers in age of ultron like joss whedon found a way for all of the avengers to use thor's hammer at some point you know like right. in the way like she threw the lightsaber to him and he like shoots the guy in the face behind him and right. so let me ask you man because why don't why don't we get move towards the close with so, the stuff we liked about the new movie because we've done plenty sure. of criticisms and trust me i am not off base with you on on a lot of this I, i've been arguing a devil's advocate um on some of this stuff some of the stuff just doesn't bother me and i've seen it four times so it's just it's not a fair comparison i'd love to do a quick check-in with you when you've seen it once or twice more which i highly recommend on 2d yeah let's do it Watch on 2D and just sit That's in the middle of the theater, the on just place. a normal 2D theater. Uh, I want to go during the week when no one's there. You get no one there, like, and you just yeah. take the whole thing, and you watch the Avengers trailer, which is great, and you know, just get in the mood for it and just do the whole thing. And that whatever. was a good trailer. Yeah. That moment when they're fighting back-to-back. So when they're fighting, are you already thinking 
as soon as this is over, there's gonna, they're going to split. No, a lot of a lot of this movie, like I said, there were so many curveballs. Even like Yoda's like like cameo was just like, what is he doing? Like I'm like, he's going to burn the book, you know? And I'm like, he's a fascist, you know? And then they he like explains everything. So no, I didn't expect that part of it at all. Like I didn't expect that that kind of a curveball for that to really go in that direction. Yeah, a lot of it I didn't ex- expect, but I did enjoy um, a lot of them as well. But, do you, um, but, but as actors, well, I'll tell you what I thought, and then you tell me if you agree. The immediate switch from we just fought together, and if we could fight together as good guys, we could cure the ga- look like in a good way, cure the galaxy of its problems. To immediately go from that to Kylo looking at the throne and thinking about being supreme leader after saving Rey. Um, and how in his mind, the two of them being together, whatever that means, and him ruling the galaxy doesn't contradict, even though we can blatantly see the problem with it. I thought those two actors sold it perfectly. And until not just the fight, but the post-fight, I had the movie as pretty good. But with the fight, and especially the post-fight between the two of them, was when I felt like Ryan Johnson truly had a hold on the two main characters of the, of, of the trilogy. I mean, you might have your favorite people out there, but to think that this trilogy is not ultimately about Kylo Ren and Rey, it, it, you're not watching what's going on. And I'm glad that that's what they spent the most time on in this movie, and I thought those two actors took it over at the end. I think part of why we bought Mark Hamill being real at the end was because of Kylo's performance, right? Because think about this right. now. So now we've established Kylo is one of the best mind readers in the galaxy, but he can't tell that's not Luke Skywalker. Like, how crazy is that, you know? He, I mean, Because he's too emotional. Yeah. He's, that's always been his problem. Yep. He's too fucking emotional. He's he can, Anakin. He can never control. Right. He has too much of that, like, uh, fly by the seat of your pants, you know, got to just... You know, you know, shoot first, ask questions later. Well, Anakin and Han. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. And by the way, to answer your original question, why hasn't Leia used force powers all these years? Look at her son and look right. at what became of Luke, right? And, and look at her father. Yeah, so by resisting her force powers, and I like that she doesn't use them again, essentially, for the rest of the movie after she saves herself... She knows what can happen. She's seen Luke. She's definitely seen what's happened to Ben. She knows about her dad. And by the way, can we just really quickly, and then we'll wrap up in Bloodline. I was so shocked, but when I thought about it, it made sense that Leia had been hiding for 30 years that her dad was Darth Vader. I had never considered that. I would have assumed that was public knowledge. And when they first revealed it in Bloodline that it, that she had been hiding it, I thought it was sort of a cheap trick. But I'd, I would love to get your perspective because the whole book hinges on it. She's going to be the lead senator of the galaxy until it gets out that she was hiding. Right? Am I am I misremembering this? No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. She she that's like the big uh, spoiler alert that that like really fucks their world up with uh, the cent- versus centrist versus populist and what's going on with the uh, the first senator. Yeah, she's about to basically become the first senator. Like, she'll probably, she'll definitely win uh, her party's nomination. And as she's about to win her first party's nomination, her, uh, the, the other side story, her buddy Ransom Casterfo uh, from the other side of the aisle was working on uncovering a huge underground plot linked to the First Order and then uh, he kind of uncovers it for her, which is like this horrible twist in the plot. Like they're 
their uh, opposite side of the aisle friendship evolves into that and then they uh, sadly this this is the real rift at the end and it really leads to his demise as well well no he, uh, he bites the bullet and takes I mean he gives up his life basically to well that's what I said it leads to his yeah. demise you know yeah, inevitably. Yeah, yeah. By, by him turning against her mm. and bringing that that piece of knowledge to the Senate and telling yeah. them so she loses all credibility. Yeah. And by the way, um, can we talk yeah. about, again, we have a female writer in the Star Wars galaxy, Claudia Gray, writing a completely non-sexualized relationship between a woman who, let's be honest, Princess Leia in her 50s, still hot. She's Princess Leia, right? He's right. probably in his 30s or 40s, right? I mean, he's younger. Right. But and it, there was never a moment of flirtation, but it didn't desexualize them. Star Wars is just doing a great job of letting you know guys be guys women be women and everyone be whatever and we can even have rose give you know finn a peck on the cheek or or on the lips or whatever but they're they're not getting obsessed with gender roles but they're also not desexualizing people right like they're not trying to make ray into not a woman they're just trying to be realistic in that those aren't her main concerns (laughs) right in the world living and you know not ending the universe and you know finding balance is the force is what she's really into she doesn't have time for a boyfriend you know okay so (laughs) so we could go on forever but the bottom line is even if i had more time with you and i really appreciate all your time i I do want to wait until you see this a second time because i think you're going to catch a lot of stuff no, I'm excited for it. I'm really excited for it. I have been. I was trying to go see it this week, but... Cool, buddy. Well, I hope that you really enjoy uh, your second viewing even more than your first one. Get some more good stuff out of it, uh, lore, whatever, and uh, you are always welcome back on the podcast. Love to hear what you have to think. Really appreciate you joining us, Bizzlecasters. Thank you for listening. Uh, this will probably be the last Last Jedi podcast, at least for the moment. Uh, join us for some new content soon. Thank you. Thank you again, Simi, and we are out.